1: my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. It's time for our weekly Clark Stink segment. Can't wait to hear what I've messed up on. And also, so much fear out there among people who've worked hard to save money for their future, invested in the stock market through retirement accounts at work, mutual funds, index funds, individual stocks, whatever. I'm going to address that. But before we begin, I want to know, have you subscribed to our free daily newsletter yet? Go check it out at clark.com newsletters. Remember I said it's free. That's my price, you know. I really like so, Krista. It's time to hear how I have messed up with Clark Stinks. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. So, before you start, uh, for new listeners, we haven't said who you are. So, Krista. Is the COO of my company. She's been with me since 1997, started the first web page we had, mm-hmm. what was then called the Clark Howard page, and has been with me ever since. Started when I was three. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. I knew how to do that stuff back then. No,
0: I've had the privilege, is what I would say, of working with you over the years. I'd and say the rest I'm of the, 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 one. the team we have, which are. Just is filled with wonderful, giving people. We're allowed to carry out your message and your intention, which is to teach and help people take charge of their own finances and lives, as you say. So
1: I, I will never forget when my wife and I both spoke at Career Day at a school years ago. So I'm before the kids, and I said, "I'm a teacher." And they were, like, <laughs> they were like just. That was not interesting to them. My wife, who's an actress, gets up and starts talking about everything she's done, TV, film, theater, everything. And the kids are like, wait, uh, question, question, question. It was was funny how we perceive roles like we do in society. And what could be more important than being a teacher in a classroom teaching kids?
0: Nothing. Speaking of teaching, some people want to teach you now. (laughs) Um. These first two are about your carbon monoxide detector that you talked about, and I got so, so many submissions about them. So these are representative. One, this one's from Richard. Good idea telling us about your carbon monoxide detector, but... Why would you place your trust in some $10 random no-name device? I like saving money as much as you do, but I would rather spend the extra $10 and use a name brand when it comes to a potential life-saving device. And then this one, you mentioned you put your portable carbon monoxide detector on the dresser drawer knowing it should be much higher. Well, a smoke detector should be much higher. However, the EPA states because carbon monoxide is slightly lighter than air and also because it may be found with warm rising air. Air, detectors should be placed on a wall about five feet above the floor the detector may be placed on the ceiling do not place the detector right next to or over a fireplace or flame producing appliance and that was from gary but lots of people wrote in about that that you you don't need to have it up higher
1: well i appreciate both of you and everyone else who wrote about the carbon monoxide detector let me give a short short version of what that whole segment was about on a prior podcast so hotels have fought regulations around the world and here in the United States to require carbon monoxide detectors because it would cost hotels like $5 a room to do so. And they've calculated it's cheaper to just pay death claims when people die from carbon monoxide in a hotel occasionally than to have to outfit all their rooms with carbon monoxide detectors. So I bought one of the travel carbon monoxide detectors, which is teensy tiny. I mean, just a something that fits in the palm of your hand. And I bought a no name. And so Richard and others were like, okay, so you're doing all this to stay alive. And then you rely on that doesn't even have a name on it. And point well taken. That probably was not my best decision. So thank you all for responding to it. And now you know, that hotels are playing roulette with your lives by not having carbon monoxide detectors. So get a portable brand name one that you take with you in your backpack or suitcase.
0: Clark doesn't stink, but could go further regarding the person who ordered on eBay and didn't receive their package. I sell on eBay and Amazon, and this sometimes happens. I always advise the buyer that one, somebody else in their house might have brought the package in, Two, try to talk to the letter carrier. And if not possible, three, go to the post office. I provide a description of the outside packaging. One of these efforts almost always results in a found package. But it's worth noting that Amazon has the A to Z guarantee that protects both buyers and sellers. If the package USPS says they delivered is not found, Amazon will refund the buyer and not debit the seller. eBay should do the same. And that's from Eric.
1: Eric, thank you for that. That was quite a conundrum where the individual was told the package had been delivered and so eBay said to drop dead and that was unfortunate obviously.
0: Clark, I just listened to your healthcare cost disclosures podcast. First, the bill was introduced, not passed as law. In fact, other than the introduction, no action has been taken since May of twenty twenty one. Second, and perhaps most important, you oversimplified the topic of price transparency. Most Americans don't understand the issues involved. And when the topic is oversimplified, as you presented it in your podcast, it truly makes things worse. I agree that healthcare costs are a real issue in this country. But as a professor of healthcare administration, I always tell my students to know the details of a topic before you opine. Unfortunately, it's not as simple as hospitals hiding costs, Stephen.
1: Stephen, thank you. And I obviously have to respect your expertise as a professor. I will tell you that there is it is actually a law that requires the healthcare disclosure, and the hospitals have chosen not to comply. I saw recently in one of the big states, a study found that only 7% of hospitals were complying with the price disclosure laws. There will be services coming along that will use A.I., to be able to, where I'm expecting what's going to come along, is that when hospitals finally do comply with the law, which eventually they will, because they'll be forced to, that you'll be able to put in the procedure or surgery or whatever you're having at a third-party website, and they will almost certainly be able to calculate an estimate based on your insurance or lack of insurance and the specific insurance you have, what the cost will be, at different medical facilities for those procedures. You are correct that right now just the raw data is too hard for anyone other than somebody somehow connected to the medical field to be able to make sense of the data. And medical is a tough area, but hospitals not wanting to comply with the law, with the requirements is very upsetting to me.
0: Stinky Clark, your favorite Fidelity Zero funds should be 0% of your portfolio because you value holding a diverse portfolio. They cost zero because they mimic their index and don't match it. With the zero total market holds 2,914 stocks, but the normal Fidelity Total Market Fund holds nearly double 3,985 stocks with the expense ratio of only 0.015 More diversification for nearly zero. Jacob.
1: Jacob, a valid point that one Fidelity, the zero, holds a thousand less stocks than the traditional Fidelity total stock market fund. But the reality is, if you look at the overall market cap of the companies that make up the Fidelity zero, you're pretty much most of the way there. The The thousand that you're missing don't have a lot of market cap, but it is also true that the zero fund is really a marketing phenomenon and paying one and a half basis points, which is basically almost free and having the wider exposure quite likely is a better idea. But what Fidelity's done with the zero funds is they've gotten people into their house and they're investing with them, and they can do small investments because there's no minimum account size and have no fees to have the account and no ongoing management of it. I think the Fidelity Zero funds are, in fact, a brilliant product that works very well for most everybody.
0: Clark, I never thought I'd have to write that your math stinks. When badmouthing government investment in the common good of EV charging stations, you hypothesized that EV owners will spend 10 times at the convenience stores, but also noted that only 5% of their use requires charging on the road. Uh, That's pretty poor incentive for your market because overall EV owners will spend 50% less at convenience stores since they stop so less often. You're correct that eventually with 100% usage, stations will have no choice but to offer it. But we're currently at a chicken and egg stage. Just like getting electricity to rural areas 90 years ago or development of the internet 50 years ago, some things must be pushed by government funding so that everyone can benefit. And that was from Anonymous.
1: Anonymous, thank you. I have such a bias against government doing something like the EV charging stations because of the inefficiency that comes with government trying to figure it out. So I, I have trouble sometimes seeing the forest for the trees and this chicken and egg. I'm using all these analogies. <laughs> the chicken and egg issue with the electric vehicle charging The marketplace will eventually sort it out because the economics of electric vehicles is so overwhelmingly compelling versus buying gas engine vehicles. Right now, electric vehicles are, in many cases, not competitive with their gas engine competitors except at the higher end of the car market. But that is almost certainly going to change as we're at a point now where the cost of manufacturing the electric power plants for a vehicle is getting to a point where it's going to fall below the gas engine equivalent of engine and transmission infrastructure in months. I don't know how many months, but we're getting there and then it's just going to work. Is somebody who might be considering buying an electric vehicle and you're worried about the whole charging thing, the biggest issue I see is for people who don't have a garage to charge at on a regular basis. Because people do, like, how often do you ever charge not at your home, Chris? Only on a road trip. Right.
0: Same for me. But people who live in apartments, like, yeah. It's really hard at apartments.
1: My daughter, who lives in Pasadena, California, there's one charger that was put in the apartment complex. And I think there's 55 electric vehicles, she (laughs) counted, in the garage so it is hunger games when that space becomes available and guess what they do to somebody who parks in that space who's not an electric vehicle what they get towed and the towing fee is four hundred dollars wow that's how fired up the 55 people are about being able to charge their vehicle so obviously they need a lot more than one charger so the charging thing is an issue
0: and lots about your airplane seats segment uh clark you stink worse than a stopped up toilet on a low budget air carrier u.s taxpayers bailed out the airlines during the pandemic to the tune of 54 billion dollars covering virtually 18 months of operating costs but it seems they spent the money to keep stock prices and executive salaries aloft rather than their fleet Added to the epic cost post COVID operational meltdowns, comes the latest indignity to shoehorn ever more American butts into seats barely big enough for a small child. <laughs> Yet here comes Clark wringing his hands about stifling their innovation if the government intervenes. Get real, these legacy revenue gluttons have never done anything except at the point of a government gun. Clark, go sit in a tub of cold water because your libertarian pants are on fire. Harrison and then he did write PS love you as a regular listener.
1: Well Harrison thank you. Okay cruise lines what did they get from the federal government as COVID relief. Do you know how much the cruise lines got? Mm-mm. Not a single penny. Oh. And the airlines have always been extremely politically powerful in Washington and the uh, justification if there is one is national defense, homeland security, because under federal law, in the event of a true national emergency, the federal government is able to federalize the private civilian airline fleet to move troops, materiel, whatever, in an emergency in a time of war. So the airlines have hidden behind that to get these huge taxpayer gifts Including your math, fifty-four billion. I didn't realize it was fifty-four billion that they got to keep operating during COVID and not go bankrupt. So that's something the airlines should not have gotten. On the other hand, I'm very much in favor of an air passengers' bill of rights. That uh, what the Europeans have done is actually much smarter than what we've done with air travel. Where if an airline has a flight delay or cancel, there are clear rules what an airline must do, like provide you alternative transportation on a competitor, which is something we used to have as law in the United States. That should be law again. Provide hotel accommodations when you get stranded overnight. I mean, we should have these things. The European airline said it was going to be the end of their existence, and they all have handled it just fine. And the U.S. airlines saying that treating people right would be the end of air travel as we know it is garbage. And all it does is force them to become more efficient. On the other hand, having the government decide seat size, if it's not related to safety, to me does stifle innovation. So I guess this is an area where people are really fed up. A lot of people were very unhappy with me not wanting the government to regulate seat size and legroom. But I just don't think that's a great role for government. So I guess I respectfully agree to disagree. But Harrison, I'm with you. We shouldn't have given the airlines one penny of that $54 billion. That was bonkers. So speaking of dollars, do you got enough in that wallet? to stay retired, to be retired, to feel comfortable about an upcoming retirement. I want to talk about that with what's been going on with the stock market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news, maybe even more than before about money that they built up as a nest egg. And I got this message, came in, I need you to talk me off the ledge with this crazy stock market. Are you just sitting tight and hoping for the best? It's so disconcerting. And then I've noticed thing after thing, here's one, find out in five minutes if you have enough to retire. Saw another one that was, A two minute questionnaire to see if you have enough to retire. And annuities have been selling like crazy over the last few months, as people just completely are taken aback by the declines in the stock market. When are they going to stop? Where are they going to stop? What's going to happen? And so if we go back in the Wayback Machine, to last year um, it was not exactly brain science in answers to people's questions I would say yeah the stock market's overvalued it's price for perfection there will be a correction I'm changing nothing even knowing that's coming and the you know I got my statements and I see that the value of my account, what it was on January 1st and what it is now and all that. And I'm chill. And I'm 67 and I'm chill. But a lot of the people I'm hearing from are in their 30s and 40s. And you should be completely chill. Because if you're at the accumulation stage where you're putting money in every pay period at work or something like that, you're contributing to, let's say, your own Roth IRA once a month, you're buying everything on the clearance rack. Confidence for now is down. And at the same time, the relative values we're assigning to companies, down. And remember, it was inflated before. What people were willing to pay for company profits before was insane. And now it's coming back to earth. And plus, there's worries with the economy and the Federal Reserve raising interest rates and Russia's invasion of Ukraine and blah, 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 blah. What's that going to mean to profits as we look forward? And so in the short term, markets go through downturns, as they should, because you end up with people too excited with investing. And then you end up with people too terrified of investing. So the question is all where you are in your life. And if you are at the quote-unquote accumulation phase, you're in your job, career, whatever, you're contributing, this is an opportunity for you because you're buying at lower prices every month now because the market will eventually recover. But why? Because capitalism at its base. I know capitalism with some people's a dirty word. Don't get it. Anyway, people go into business to make money, right? And you can watch the conspiracy movies about how they're trying to cheat people or exploit them or whatever. No. There are always going to be people who try to shortcut and take advantage of others in business. But most people in business are working hard with a product or service they offer from a small business to the biggest corporation. They're trying to figure out how to serve a want or need in the marketplace, provide a product or service better than a competitor, cheaper than a competitor, or whatever that you would want to buy it to serve a need in the market. And that's not evil. And over time, companies succeed, others fail, but when you own the funds like I like you to own, where you own an ETF that's an index fund, or you own an index mutual fund, whatever, you're owning little pieces of hundreds or thousands of companies, and over time, economies grow, the value of those companies grow, and at base, that's why you do it. In the short term, you're going to see values go through rough cycles. And you're going to see people reassessing, am I okay? And if you're in retirement, there's a legitimate reason to make sure you got enough money. If you're approaching retirement and in the cycle where you're just getting ready to enter retirement, if you don't have enough money anymore to be able to retire at your intended date, it's not the end of the world if you have to work a little longer. It's a bummer, but it's not the end of the world. And so if you're in early retirement, worried about how much money you have, is we don't know how long a down market lasts. We don't know how long it is till values start a next cycle of climbing. I can tell you that usually, though, once we've reached a bottom and a market starts to reemerge, Very early is when the greatest gains are earned, which is why you don't run away from investing. But it might mean you run to a part-time job as an early retiree to supplement what you would have used your investments for. And I have a friend who, every time there's a decline in the market, he goes into full panic mode, and I make fun of him all the time for this, and he calls me and says, So, have you sold anything? I, I, I'm on a phone call, but I just imagine his eyes are big as saucers, and he's like not sleeping and worried about it and all that. And truth be told, he's got plenty of money. He's got nothing to worry about, even if it declines.
0: I think I knew who that friend is. He's you a do know, friend, right? Yeah, he posts on Facebook too constantly. Yeah he freaks
1: out, and so the emotional reactions can get us into trouble. So, as for me, I've changed nothing in my allocation. My work is my, you know, they talk about work being a bond. You know, the bonds are the safe part of your investing portfolio. They've not been this year, but normally they are. I'm still working. I'm not worried. I have nothing to worry about. I just have to be happy, right? Mm -hmm. And you
0: make the rest of us happy by working.
1: (laughs) 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 <laughs> okay. Yeah, but when when I start saying things that make no sense at all, you know it's time. Yes, to, yes. And
0: yeah. if you don't enjoy it anymore, because you don't have to do it. So, um, all right, let's go to some questions yep. from people. Um, Joe in Illinois says, I was recently told by my bank that I might be able to remove my escrow account, should I?
1: Yes. <laughs> I can't believe a bank told you instead of you telling them Okay, so escrow is a profit center for the banks on mortgages where you make an interest free loan to them all year long. They're allowed under regulations to excess collect from you. So they're earning money that's not even going to be used to pay taxes and insurance. And Joe, if it's free, like some lenders will say, hey, we'll charge you a quarter point to remove this. But if they're just saying, You know, you've reached the eligibility point. You can remove your escrow. As long as you never forget to pay your taxes or insurance, go for it.
0: Yeah, if you're disciplined. But if you need the discipline of having it taken out of your mortgage every month, don't, right?
1: Right. But generally, if you've got that much equity, you probably have pretty good discipline anyway. Oh, and with the big run-up in home values that happened across the country, a lot of people very early in the paying of their mortgage – can probably appraise out of having escrow and can appraise out of private mortgage insurance, which is a huge additional expense every month.
0: This is from Veronica in California. I'm headed to Maui in early November, a perfect Hawaiian air direct flight obtained with credit card miles. However, we're having a heck of a time finding hotel accommodations under $600 a night. Is this typical? Any suggestions?
1: So it is not typical. There's so much additional air service to Hawaii from Southwest in particular in airfares to Hawaii because the Southwest entry into the Hawaiian markets has ended up being one of those things that should be in the next Freakonomics book. That the cost of staying in Hawaii is a lot more expensive because the airfares are so much lower than they were before Southwest entered the Hawaiian air market. And so the number of people going to Hawaii has gone up so much that you can blame Southwest Veronica for this, because they're really at fault, if you would say that's fault. So my middle brother and his wife went to Hawaii for three weeks recently, and they had the best time, but they are still talking about the sticker shock from the accommodations. And The hotels are off the charts. i found a couple of things in Hawaii, though. One is that if you're willing to do VRBO, which seems to be a bigger factor in the Hawaiian Islands than Airbnb, you may find a place that you're happy with. Just know that the VRBOs are going to be non-refundable almost always. So if later your trip changes, you're out the money. The other thing I've found is that the resorts, that you would book like a traditional hotel resort, many times their rates go down much closer to arrival than what you're quoted up front. So you're going early November, which is not a peak time for travel to Hawaii. So you may find that closer to your travel, you're going to find better deals on those resorts. And I really like Priceline. For shopping those resorts. Priceline tends to be more aggressive with offering deals than other outlets for getting hotel rooms.
0: And from Brendan in Pennsylvania, I'm going to be relocating with my company and they offer a full relocation package. Should we still be wary of moving companies, even if they're approved by my company and fully insured? Also, have you heard of any issues with relocation companies? They will be taking care of my home sale moving, temporary housing, and home purchase assistance.
1: Okay, Brendan, (laughs) you are one lucky dude. So usually only people of a certain, considered a certain level of value to a big corporation get these full reload packages like you're getting. The reload companies have to satisfy those big corporations. I can think of only a single time in all the years that we had someone who had a series of a litany of just terrible complaints and problems from a corporate reload, that usually you do better with a corporate reload umbrella with a moving company and all the rest than you would do on your own. So I think it'd be very, very unlikely that you would have a problem and get burned. Now, the reload company will make you an offer. There's a procedure for them making an offer to buy your home if you're unable to get a good price selling on your own. Just know that you want to be very careful and usually they have an appraiser, you get to have your own appraiser and there's some kind of compromise between the values. You want to make sure you choose that appraiser carefully who's doing the appraisal for you for the price that is the backup price you get if your home does not sell. I can't tell from what you said. You said they're taking care of your home sale. I don't know if that means you don't even have to put your house on the market or if that's the backstop. If it is a backstop, though, or even if it is, they're just going to buy it. you got to make sure that price is one that you feel comfortable with that you're being offered. But as far as something going wrong with the corporate relo very, very rare that there's a problem that doesn't get resolved in a way that you'll be happy with. And I hope that we've made you happy today and that no matter where you live, that we have served your wallet and you well today. And all the resources we've talked about today are in our show notes that we post after each podcast And you can see all the show notes, the links, everything we talk about at Clark.com slash podcast. Have a wonderful day.